Welcome to Career Tipper Podcast, hosted by Michelle Beatty. The Career Tipper Podcast is a motivational resource that shares career and entrepreneurial tips by industry experts that will help amazing people evolve to their professional best. And now your host, Michelle Beatty. Episode 16 of the Career Tipper Podcast features Chef Jen. Chef Jen is the founder and CEO of Dajian Eats. She is a self-taught chef that is leading her own vegan movement with a Jamaican flair. Dajian Eats is the home of the Irie Happy Vegan that is inspiring diverse populations to redefine healthy eating while supporting a compassionate lifestyle which humans and non-human animals are treated fairly. Jen is going to share how she helps others with their food journey while maximizing her own. I'm your host, Michelle Beatty, career confidence author and coach. Jen, welcome to the Career Tipper Podcast. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited because you have some amazing nuggets to share just about life and culinary. And I know you're going to inspire so many with this um, interview. Yes, that was one heck of an intro. I love it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So... Tell me a bit about your journey to becoming a self-taught professional chef, because I think it's amazing, and you're definitely not an overnight success. <laughs> so please share with the listeners your journey of becoming a, um, a chef. Well, I think it's really funny that that's the question that you're leading with, because I remember um, a few years back when you and I had first met, you, in particular, had tried to convince me to use a title chef. And I was so much against it, like, no, I'm not a chef. I don't know what I'm doing. Please don't call me chef. And you're like, okay, do you cook for people? Do you sell the food that you cook for people? Is that not what chefs do? And it took me a while to kind of embrace that title. Um, my company, Dejanie, started out as a blog. Um, a, a bit of a backstory. I'm from Jamaica originally. I came here when I was 16 um, for college and I quickly learned a couple of things. To continue enjoying certain luxuries like eating and living inside, I needed to stop eating out. And that's how I I started cooking. I needed to learn how to cook to save money. Uh, And so I was really bad at it, Michelle. Like terrible. Like almost burned on my apartment several times. Terrible. And I'm not, I'm not like being dramatic, it's the truth. But each, time, but each time I learned something new, I would tell my friends, oh my gosh, I learned this technique and you should learn it too. And did you know, I'd like I would completely geek out. Did you know that if you add salt at this point in the cooking versus that point in the cooking, it changes the texture in this way. And I realized that I completely fell in love with cooking and with food science. And so I started blogging about it. Um, and the blogging led to cooking classes And the cooking classes led to meal deliveries, which led to meal plans, which led to pop-ups, and ultimately to to a restaurant, a vegan restaurant in the middle of a gas station. And um, now we're moving (laughs) to our second location. But but yeah, that has been my self-taught chef journey. Food science is, is kind of my thing. I've learned a lot from you about food and culinary and vegan eating so thank you because I definitely try you know I've attended 
your culinary classes and I've read your blogs and, you know, I've definitely tried your food. And I love how you're always sharing simple techniques in the kitchen, different foods to try that are not only healthy, but they're filling. So I'm all about being full after I eat and you do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciate um, you being the teacher because I've definitely been a student. So thank you. Thank you. So when was that moment that you knew, you know, that educating people about the vegan lifestyle was your purpose? Because you, I think it seems like you've had a lot of different aha moments along the way. But is there that one moment that you knew, like, this is what I'm going to do? Well, I think in many ways, a lot of what I've done has been reactive to to circumstances up until one really defining point. So something would happen and then I would go here, somebody would make a suggestion, hey, why don't you do this? I remember, um, hmm, now that I think about it, even pretty pivotal in this journey actually, Michelle. Me? I, yeah, you have. I remember uh, you had introduced me to someone and the person had said, um, can you put your food in a box? I said, no, but I have cooking recipes. I mean, I'll teach you how to do it. And she looked at me. She's like, can you like put it in a box like for me to eat? And I said, no, I'll show you the recipe. She says, Jen, you're not getting it. I don't want to cook it. Can you put it in a box? Give it to me and I'll give you money. And I thought, oh, money. What a novel idea. And that's really how I started like selling food. It was because of that one push. And so in many ways, the different paths that I've taken, um, they've been reactive to situations like that. We used to do pop-ups and then that relationship came to an end and I needed somewhere to continue meeting the public to have my food. And so I started looking into getting a restaurant. But the one real defining moment for me when I knew that I was firmly planted in, in my purpose was being here at the gas station because we are in the middle of a gas station in in a neighborhood that's not known for being remotely vegan. Um, and that was by choice. We really wanted to make vegan veganism seem accessible. So our first brunch was a Saturday. We did chicken and waffles and we had sold out. And um, we were wrapping up and a gentleman came in and he's like, what you got? I mean, heavily tattooed or tatted, if that's the expression. <laughs> Um, gold teeth, gold chain, not exactly the first vision that comes to mind when you think vegan, right? But he's like, um, what you got? I said, well, we have some food in the cooler. We were all sold out of chicken and waffles, but we have some grab and go meals. He said, okay, how much is it? I said, $10. He said, all right, I'm gonna get two, one for me, one for my girl. Fantastic. I'm at home the Sunday and they have an ice cream freezer at the cafe. And on that freezer is my cell phone. And my phone rings and this person goes, yeah, I bought your food yesterday. And, you know, you have those moments when your stomach is in your toes and you're like, what now? <laughs> I'm thinking, what now? And he said, yeah. So I came back to the gas station and I see you have ice cream. But the guy up front doesn't know how much the ice cream is. Can you tell me how much it is and can I just give him the money? I was like, okay, sure. It's $5. He said, okay, I'm going to give him the money. And I came the Monday and it was $30. He had bought six ice creams. And he would come back to the cafe once a week faithfully and buy hot food and something from the cooler. And we have this free library at the cafe. Um, It's all vegan books, vegan thought books and cookbooks. And it's on the honor system. You borrow it, you return it, and so forth. 
and um, somebody had just returned Sub Kitchen, which is probably our most uh, returnable and reborrowed, <laughs> that's a word, book that we, we've had on the shelf. And um, that gentleman happened to come by and he was thumbing through it and I said to him, you know you can take that home. He said, yeah, because I'll probably cook some of this stuff. And then he looked me like square in the eye, Michelle. He said, Jen, I don't think you know this, but every time I come, I buy stuff from me and I buy stuff out the cooler. I give it to my mom. I bring it to her because she has diabetes. And I think if she eats your food, that she'd get better. And I'm about like reduced to a pool of tears. Like walk away right now because it's about to get ugly. Oh just, my just goodness. <laughs> you know? And it was really exactly in that moment when I knew that this this insane thing of being in a gas station with vegan food is precisely what I should be doing at that time. I love that. I was thinking you were going to say like you're teaching at Valencia or one of your culinary, <laughs> but what an amazing connecting moment. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all warm, fuzzy inside. <laughs> yeah, I started. I did the ugly cries. Like, yeah, yeah, walk away now, walk away. You never know why someone's e eating your food. You genuinely don't. But I know it's yummy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it is <laughs> yummy. So, how do you handle the highs and lows of your day? Uh, I am completely and utterly in love with Rudyard Kipling. And he has this poem called If. Uh, you're probably familiar with it. And there's this one stanza where he says, if you, can, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. And then he goes on and he goes on. But that one line has always given me pause. It's kind of that's how I get through things when I'm when I'm having some really ridiculous unexpected highs I'm appreciative of that moment and I'm you know of course I'm celebrating with the team and I'm very proud of what I've done but then I also recognize that it's also it's, it's just a part of the journey as well so in the moments of the hard lessons come along I also apply that same principle it's just a part of the journey so this too will pass, the high will pass, the low will pass, and we'll always get back to some kind of happy medium. Yeah, I like the happy medium place though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So I know you have a lot of amazing things in the work. So what's next on your to-do list? Uh, on the immediate to-do list, well, the biggest one for me is our move to, to Eatonville. Are you familiar with the town of Eatonville? I am familiar with the town of Eatonville, but please share <laughs> what Eatonville please. is and where Eatonville is for the listeners. Eatonville is the oldest um, incorporated all-black municipality in the United States. Um, one of the, the, I think their motto is the town that freedom built. And one of the reasons we had moved into the gas station in, in Rosemont was to show that, first of all, the, the ongoing image of veganism isn't somebody who looks like me. 
um, there's an idea that African Americans or even people of different ethnicities, they tend not to be vegans, which is absolutely not true. But so I wanted to be in that neighborhood to show that veganism is just food. And if it can be as mundane as, you know, as pumping gas, you can go vegan. And so I, I really wanted to be in an underserved community. And I think that moving to Eatonville will still continue that purpose. I think that the, the town of Eatonville is so rich with culture. It's so rich with promise, but it's actually considered a food desert because um, there, there are no grocery stores there. And healthy food options in Eatonville are few and far in between. And so I think that going there um, would be very beneficial on both ends. It would be great for the community because we're bringing, you know, really tasty, healthy options to the community. And it will be great for us because it helps to continue our purpose and then we get to build and draw from that culture. I love it. When I saw the post on social media, I was so giddy inside <laughs> and excited because I was like, that is so Jen. Like when you made the announcement, I was like, yeah, that's so Jen. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I agree with everything that you said. And I think it's just you being authentically Jen. So and everything that you stand for. Did you know that they have a yard and garden club in Eatonville? Yes. And said Yard and Garden Club will be, will be providing us with veggies for the cafe. Stop it, I say. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's not even funny. That's a fantastic partnership. Yes. Oh, my yes. goodness. What a compliment to them and a, and a huge um, compliment to you. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, the town has been very receptive of us um, coming there. Of course, we're in the the not the planning, but the actual building stage because we're we're converting a, a, a space that wasn't previously a restaurant into a restaurant. Okay. And so that's where we are right now. We're in the build out phase. Um, but everybody seems to be buzzing. They're oh, you're coming. We heard you're coming. We're so excited to have you here. And so it, it makes us feel very welcome. Um, that the community has, you know, with us not even taking root yet, been so receptive of us being there. Well, I think people want healthy choices. And if it's something that they can assess with ease and um, they can make that investment, I think people are more than willing to do it. I think like what you said earlier, it's a culin you know, culinary desert, food desert, and here comes something healthy and tasty. I think it's going to be a, an amazing awakening. Um, yes. So I'm really excited to see what you do there. And there are a lot of children in the community. Um, you can definitely, here we go brainstorming, but <laughs> um, <laughs> like your kids' academy, like there's so many things you can do. It would yes. be awesome. We are in the same plaza. Well, the plaza that we'll be in is right beside the, the, the town hall. So we're we are on that main strip on Kennedy. Um, but in that same plaza is a, like a computer lab for kids. And they do after school tutoring and stuff like that. And that's something that we are, we're going to partner with them mm -hmm. and see what we can do with that. Um, because I, I think that that would, that would be great um, both ways. Yeah, because I know that you've done, you know, this. not only have you ha hosted your own culinary classes for kids, but preschools have hired you to come in and teach kids and yes it's 
it was a hit. Again, I love seeing the posts and hearing the stories. <laughs> so yes. it's all amazing. So Jen, you have, as you just shared previously, like Dejan Eats has grown from posting recipes online to food delivery to um, being a, an educator or a teacher. And now you have a, a restaurant in the middle of a sitco gas station. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, what have your customers taught you? My customers have taught me that people will always respond and respect authenticity. Um, we have a lot of people who come in who are not vegan, who may not even be veg curious. We'll have people who are just walking into the gas station, um, so they might not be on this. They might not be of the same. Uh, what's the word that I want to use? They might not share the same food ideals that we share. But I think once we approach them out of kindness and we show them what we really believe and we're open to, you know, to listen to, to their side of things, but we're doing so by being authentically ourselves, that people respond to that. They won't always agree with you, but they tend more often than not to respond to and respect that. And that has been um, like the, the overwhelming narrative of our time in the cap in the gas station. Uh, we, we, we've taken some time to look at some of our reviews like on Yelp and on Google. And of course, you know, people talk about the food is great and that's fantastic. But almost every single review talks about the staff. Um, the staff is amazing. They're friendly. They're helpful. You can tell that they're happy to be there. Chef Jen is really sweet. That kind of stuff, and it just it just drives home that when you're authentically yourself, that people will be more receptive to that. I love it. I love it. Be confidently you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Jen. Through this journey, I know you have a lot of wisdom to share with different people. So what do you suggest like budding and seasoned chefs keep in mind when they're building their brands? I think that that's an, that's an, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because in, in the beginning, for me, people, people gravitated towards Jen. I didn't have... A brand outside of, of of me, outside of who I was, and people were receptive to that. And you would think that as you grow and you start to become more, I guess, for lack of a better term, more corporate, that that will go away. But I've learned that in order to keep people with you and to keep growing, that the the bigger quote unquote you get, the more you have to dive into making sure that you connect with your core audience, making sure that they still recognize you as the brand. Um, so you're not hiding, like, I can't possibly hide behind Dejan Eats. I mean, I, I am Dejan Eats. This is, <laughs> Jen is Dejan Eats. Like, I live and breathe Dejan Eats. Um, and that's something that I share with the team all the time. We represent Dejan Eats. They don't think of it as, customers don't think of it as this, this abstract concept this is us. They're they're thinking of Dejanit as Jen and Kim and Lonnie and Satoria and Edward um, because that's the team. And I think that 
if you're going into this culinary world, yes, you absolutely want to make sure that the food speaks for itself, but then you also want to make sure that you are well represented on that plate so people can connect with you. Um, for example, when I post on Instagram, we always share a story behind the post and make it very personal. Um, there was this one business coach who would often say, um, facts tell, but stories sell. Uh, like, you know, if I did, if I would do a crab cake, like on fish fry Fridays, instead of posting on Instagram, hey guys, for tonight, we're going to have crab cakes. It's yummy. It's made from hearts of palm and it has toasted nori and it tastes just like crab and you should come and get it. That's fine and dandy. But what we often do, I'd say, you know what, when I was growing up in Jamaica, my grandfather used to make like the best crab cakes ever. <laughs> and then when I decided to become vegan, I wanted to replace all that deliciousness in a plant powered way. And oh my gosh, I think I got it. And you have to come taste it tonight. Like I didn't even tell you what, what it's made of. I just shared with you this story and anybody could connect with some childhood favorite that grandma or mom or somebody made that they're always trying to make when they get older. And so you always want to make sure that you find a way to connect with your core audience. Um, make yourself relatable. Be more vulnerable. Vulnerability is such a big thing. Be more vulnerable um, with your audience and connect with them. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. And I like the story suggestion. Mm -hmm. It's so key. It's just the little things, right? The little shifts someone can make that yes. can help them be transparent um, and comfortable with it. Yes. Which is really cool. So thank you for that share. You're welcome. Now, Jen, you are life, like life on 10. Like you love life. <laughs> you encourage life. As the listeners can hear you laugh, you have an infectious smile and um, laughter because it, <laughs> it comes through when you talk, right? The excitement yeah. about what you do. So what keeps you inspired? What's your mindset that you constantly position yourself to be a success magnet that's continually on the flow? What's your magic? I think you, you really have to not take things as seriously as they come. There are so many things that can go wrong and so many things, Michelle, have gone terribly wrong. Um, and you know, from a personal perspective, from a business perspective, there are Saturdays when our entire menu is chicken and waffles and sandwiches. And um, the, the kitchen is divided like in three workstations. And on that Saturday, on Saturdays, the one workstation handles both the waffles and the bread that's our entire menu and we've had a couple of saturdays where that entire wall just lost electricity oh my goodness so there goes waffles there goes the bread well there goes our entire menu and you can you can panic and <laughs> you can go oh my god what am i going to do what am i going to do or you can go in front of your customers and you put on this perky smile and you go this crazy thing happened we're out of electricity on that side of the wall. So our entire menu is gone. But guess what? We're probably going to get you sandwiches maybe in the next 20 minutes while we'll figure something out. You might see us running around with a waffle iron plugged into interesting spaces. But we'll get your food. And we thank you for hanging with us. And people people tend to, they tend to hang with that. You know, 
because you're not you're not panicking and then you're not going the sky is falling the sky is falling um, and I, and I think that that has been that has been my approach really with everything and you'd be surprised how the universe responds to that um, if you just think it, it goes right back to earlier when you asked me about how I deal with the highs and the lessons when you think this thing is going to pass and what is the lesson in this thing that I need to learn and perhaps um, that lesson was you need to be more communicative with your you know with your clientele and to not panic and I think that is what gets me from one point to the other we've had situations where we've had the fire marshal come in and tell me oh your 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 hood is cute it's beautiful it's a residential hood that won't work and I probably should shut you down right now. And we look him square in the eye and I said, you probably could, but let's talk about it. <laughs> you know? Oh. And in those moments, my stomach is like literally in my toes. See, the thing is, Michelle, a friend said to me the other day, Jen, you're fearless. And I looked her and I looked at her and I said, no, I'm not. I feel fear every day maybe several times a day. I just don't live in that space. Like I recognize fear for what it is and just move on. It's like feel the fear and do it anyway. Does that make sense? It does. And I, and I think that's what, that is what has kept me going because there are things that, that I've accomplished in the past year that if I were to map it out to you, I could not tell you how I accomplished them except I have this, this you, you can't beat me. <laughs> like with this attitude you just you cannot beat me because I am eternally optimistic and I think that if we take that approach with life where we're eternally optimistic it doesn't matter what is going wrong we just have this really crazy belief that this is happening for my good and something amazing is around the corner and the universe responds in kind I love it Thank you. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Jen, how do you stay in the know? Because there's a lot to know about vegan eating and culinary and safety and what's what's the proper way to make these yummy eats and everything like that. So, how do you stay in the know and what's going on in the vegan and um, culinary industries? Like, how do you stay current with the trends? Well, I think I think the first thing is you have to be. Give me one second, Michelle. We're in the middle of a gas station, so we have customers coming in and out at the same time. <laughs> but I think I think that the one thing that you'd have to admit, Michelle, is that you know very little, and then just build from there. Like whatever whatever I think I know, I know that that might change tomorrow and there's someone who knows a ton more or knows something different that I don't know. And so I tend to associate myself um, with lots of people in my industry. I'm friends with a lot of the restaurant owners here in Orlando, a lot of the vegan restaurant owners. And we share secrets, we share trade secrets, we share, hey, how do you do this? Oh my gosh, how did you make a tortilla with three colors? Because somebody did that crazy thing, right? Hmm. Um, my friend Boca Fresca, she's making a tortilla for Cinco de, Cinco de, um, de Mayo? Mayo? We're calling it Cinco de Vegan. But she made the tortilla with the Mexican colors. Like one tortilla with three colors. And it's not like um, like tie-dyed. It's like three. It's divided in three. Like three triangles. It, it, it's hmm. absurd. 
and I know it's absurd. So it's like, how do you do that? And then I also, um, I read, I get a lot of vegan magazines, shout out especially to Veg News Magazine. Um, <laughs> did you know that they listed our rum raisin ice cream as one of the top 50 desserts in the U.S.? No, but that is one of my favorite, along <laughs> with your, is it the cookies and cream? It's not called cookies and cream, though. The Rhythm and Blue Mountain Coffee. That's cookie. it. Yes. Those are my two yeah. favorite. I, I, you know, we've, we've added quite a few more. We have 14 now, so you got to come back in and try some more. Okay, we'll do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do. But, I will yeah, do that. Magazines, like keeping up with magazines, watching shows. There, you, you can get inspiration everywhere, and you always need to hone your craft. Um, don't be, don't ever get, get stuck with the idea that you've arrived or you know it. Um, because there's always something new emerging. Watch shows, subscribe to magazines, subscribe to newsletters, anything like that. And you're, you're almost guaranteed to pick up something along the way. You know, I totally agree with you, Jen. I think also I would add just from me, just listening to you, it also makes me think of humility. Um, just, being humble mm -hmm. um, as an entrepreneur, as someone sharing content with the world, you just have to be humble because you don't know what's going to come your way. And I think you demonstrate that very effortlessly um, in how you interact with people. It's just like, I know that my story could be different. So you appreciate what you're able to do. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Indeed. Now, we, I know we talked a little bit about your passion for the community, but how has your passion and your commitment for demonstrating, you know, like civic responsibility impacted mm -hmm. your personal legacy? Like, have you always been about the vegan life? And where do you see yourself? Where do you see your legacy taking you? It's, it's, it's big and it's small at the same time. Because when, when you're, when you're, in the act of it, when you're doing it, you you're not necessarily thinking of your legacy and what what what's the mark that you're going to leave. Right. There's something in that moment that you are passionate about, and there's something that you want to advocate for. Um, I believe that we can choose to live in a way that's that's compassionate, where, where we can treat human and non-human animals fairly and with dignity. That I, I believe that to my core. And to me, whatever opportunity that I get, even if it's outside of my cooking, where I can share that, it can be as simple as when I go to another restaurant, I'd say, hey, can you hold a straw, please? Hey, you want to know why we hold a straw? And then tell them why we hold a straw. And I've noticed that whenever my friends go out with me or even my team, whenever they go out with me, they will say, hold a straw, please. And it's not something that, you know, that I've asked them to do. It's just, you know, by observing my behavior and telling them why I don't do it and why it's bad for the environment and for the animals that they've chosen to continue that. And for me, that is part of legacy on such a, a personal level where you can have a personal impact. In terms of the community, it's always interesting, like reading some of the stuff that people write, like on social media. Um, I've had a couple of instances where you'd have some people, I have no idea who they are, and they'd say, hey, tag your favorite business owner and say why. And a lot of times I'm left like in tears because they'd say, hey, 
you really need to know Chef Jen from Dejanice because she does so much for the community. And yes, I want to represent veganism in a way that is approachable to everyone. But because I do it like with each person that comes there, sometimes I forget that the community is made up by these persons. Like these individual persons make up the community. And so when you're impacting one person and that person impacts somebody else and that person impacts somebody else, you're creating this this legacy that is so much bigger than, than who you are and will outlive you. And I, and I think that in terms of civic duty, I think that's what, you know, that's what's happening from my perspective. I love your perspective. It's great. <laughs> It is so great. Now, Jen, what are a few of your favorite culinary and business tools and resources? Because I know that you sometimes promote different tools um, in the in the kitchen to mm-hmm. your um, to your audience. But do you have any favorite? Um, that's a great question. What is that one tool in the kitchen that I can't live without? Okay, so I'm going to tell you like this funny story. You know how. <laughs> You have, everybody talks about, oh, the chef's knife, and it's wonderful and fantastic, and every chef needs to have a chef knife, which is usually like this 8-inch or 10-inch beautiful, gorgeous thing. And when I wasn't a chef, someone gifted me a knife, which, which is probably like Rolls Royce of knives. It had my name engraved in the handle, Ooh. and I mean, it was, it was really fancy. And I wasn't vegan at the time, and I did the probably the dumbest thing of my entire life. <laughs> I was to take that really expensive knife and use it to try to break the bone of an oxtail. And the knife got stuck in the bone and broke off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've always had this like this love affair with knives, but in my kitchen, everybody fights over this one knife. And it's this really humble, really unassuming, like very tiny serrated knife. It's like a bread knife, but smaller. And it's serrated. But because it's serrated, it cuts tomatoes well. It cuts our seitan like brilliantly. And everybody like argues over the one knife. And we have a ton of knives. But if that knife goes missing, it's like the kitchen comes to a halt. Where is the knife? And everybody knows what the knife is. Oh my and goodness! That's probably my favorite tool, and you, I mean, you'd never be able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about any business tools from a business operation standpoint? From a business operation standpoint, I found that it is best to outsource um, instead of pretending to be this amazing accountant, which I'm not or this amazing bookkeeper, which I'm not, I outsource my payroll. Um, And we've gone through like a couple of different uh, platforms. But I think the one, is it appropriate to say like what I use? Because I'm like really enamored with it. Sure. Okay, so, and this is something that another business owner shared with me. And it's just, it has literally saved my life. Because I was using another platform that would charge for um, like a flat fee then ten dollars per employee per direct deposit per payroll which quickly adds up but i use um suntrust for our for our payroll and it's like fifty dollars for the month and it does they do everything 
um, they'll do direct deposit, they'll file your payroll taxes every quarter. You basically just go in and spend two minutes putting in the hours for um, that each, em each employee has worked and payroll is done. They'll oh. help you with onboarding, all of that. It's like, it's the best thing since sliced bread, but not since a slight that knife. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm, to I'm totally in love with that. And then one of the things that really got me totally in love with the science of cooking is called Ruby. It's it's spelled R O U X B E, and it's an online cooking school. But you really you really kind of do a deep dive into food science, and it takes you from the basic things like the basic 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 things and you and it builds you up into these spectacular to the point where you're making these spectacular meals and years ago I enrolled in uh, Ruby ruby.com and I, I did like a lifetime membership and I promise you the substantial portion of what I know as a chef I learned from Ruby really I also named my dog after them her name is Ruby, and it's spelled exactly that way, R-O-U-X-B-E. Do you have both the dogs still? Yes, I still have Bear <laughs> and Ruby. And the funny thing is, because Ruby's spelled in such, a, such an odd way, I use this um, walking service for the dogs called WAG, and they come in, and it's like Uber for dogs, like for dog walking. And so they come in, and oh, hi, I'm here to pick up Bear and Rooksby. And I'm always like laughing, like, no, her name, her name is Ruby. But yeah, here she is. <laughs> well, I know that you're an animal advocate. I know that both of your dogs are rescue dogs, right? Yes, they both are. Which supports your love of animals. Yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there are... Let me get on my soapbox. I feel like there are so many animals out there in, in, in shelters, um, in high-kill shelters, that need a home that we we really don't need to keep breeding these animals and i think one of the things that people run into is the cuteness of puppies like their puppies are super cute and then it wears off and then they go oh i don't want this puppy anymore because he pees oh yeah he pees and he poops and he leaves hair everywhere someone will dump him at the shelter and so, you know, the, the love affair with the puppies that you've paid a bazillion amount of dollars for has died. And now this puppy is in, in, a, in a shelter. And if this dog doesn't get adopted, you know, by X days, because there is no space, they get euthanized, they get killed. And so I think that if, if anyone out there is ever looking for a dog or cat companion, that um, I would encourage you to get your, you know, your next companion from a shelter because there are so many lovely animals out there that could use a home. Bear came from a shelter in Lakeland and Ruby came from a husky rescue in Dade City. Oh my goodness. That is your legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is your legacy. Jen, I appreciate you being a guest on the Career Tipper podcast. It's been a treat catching up with you. And I'm so happy that you've shared your culinary journey um, with my listeners. And I hope that someone will be inspired by it. I'm sure they will um, by your story and how they can just start where they are and just trust the process. 
Yeah. Yes, Michelle, thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes, this has been awesome. But before you, before you leave, please share your favorite quote or affirmation that keeps you creating career tipping moments. It's my signature ending to the podcast episodes. Okay, fantastic. So I, I kind of hinted at my poetry boyfriend earlier on in the conversation. His name is Rudyard Kipling, and I'm pretty sure I was born like in the wrong period because I would have totally dated him because he's awesome. Um, he wrote If... And the one line, the closing line in that poem is that line that I live by. And he goes through these, these, a lot of these scenarios. If you can do this, if you can do that, if you can do this. But he ends with, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. I'm going to forgive him for the misogyny. But the, the point is still the same. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Power to the lady. <laughs> but that that's been that's my favorite. It just it, it reminds me that we all have a limited time and in the same breath we all have the same twenty four hours each day and it's up to us how we use that and he brings it all the way down to the minute like if you can just max out that minute just give the minute everything that you've got there's so much for you to inherit um and not even just from like a materialistic perspective but from character building he said you'll be a man my son can you imagine the depth of character if you just you, you decide one morning to get up and form all your waking hours just to give that time everything that you've got can you imagine mm-hmm. yeah so that's my favorite i love your favorite thank you for sharing that <laughs> now before we depart one more thing please share how the listeners can get in touch with you everybody out there you can find us at dejanit.com that's d-a-j-e-n-e-a-t-s.com and then we're also on social media we're on facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr and all of our handles is uh, Dejanice. That's D-A-J-E-N-E-A-T-S dot com. But if you are in Orlando or visiting Orlando or decide to drive from North Carolina to Orlando, as someone once did, you can come see us at 4845 North Orange Blossom Trail. This is inside the Leesico gas station. Come and have a bite with us. Uh, there's a good chance I'll be there and I'll chat with you. If I'm not here, I have, I'm pretty sure I have the, the greatest, most fantastic, friendliest team ever. <laughs> They'll take care of you. And then in a couple of months, come see us at our new Eatonville location, which will be at 323 East Canada Boulevard, Suite F, in Eatonville, Florida. And when is the um, opening for that? We are hoping July 1, but if you follow us on, um, on Instagram and, and Facebook, we'll keep you updated. Awesome. Thank you, Jen. And listeners, you can find me, Michelle Beatty, on Instagram at CareerTipper, um, Facebook at CareerTipper, and Twitter at CareerTipper1. Be sure to stop by CareerTipper.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, Please subscribe and follow the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Career Tipper Podcast. We're grateful for our listeners and guests. 
For more resources about how to evolve to your professional best, share your comments and feedback about this episode and your suggestions for future guests, visit careertipper.com. Until next time, be confidently you.